you're listening to the Black Side Fun. And welcome to the show. The tape is in, so let us begin. Uh, today I have a special, amazing guest, Kurt Sandvig from the show Paranormal Almanac. Say hey, hello, I, Kurt. Hey, howdy, <laughs> hi. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan, and I am I am uh, geeking out over here. I can't believe I even have you on the show. <laughs> me? I'm happy to be on here. This is awesome. So uh, today's episode, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, old Wild West paranormal stories. And um, I was actually listening to a podcast the other night about Jesse James. And um, apparently his old homestead is actually haunted. And people can go and do readings at his old home. And also at the home he was killed in. Which also, I'll get into a conspiracy theory about Jesse James and how he died. So, <laughs> I'll discuss that later in the show. Um, first, I want to tackle the news. So, uh, as someone who's from Florida, I don't know if you know this, Kurt. <laughs> I didn't um, know this, but oh my god, I'm sorry. There's so much. <laughs> no, I get that a lot. I live in Washington now, so I get a lot of like, oh, you don't have, you know, you, where are you originally from? I'm like Florida, and I always get the oh, ouch, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. Florida has everything, whether you want it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's like you 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 want uh, sunshine or barracuda, <laughs> flesh eating virus or uh, sandy beaches. <laughs> But we have uh, stingrays, and they are everywhere. And um, they even, during uh, the spring months, they have a thing called the uh, stingray shuffle. And what it is is they always warn you if you're going out into the water, you shuffle your feet during spring months because that's stingray mating season. What? And I've they, never heard this. My, my parents <laughs> live in Florida. What is this about? And it's it's something like you, you have to shuffle your feet going into the water because if you step on a stingray during mating season, they're very aggressive. So they're they'll sting you. So if you're shuffling your feet, you kind of scooch them along if you're going into the water. And I've actually been been stung by a stingray twice, Ooh. and they're really extremely painful. And um, some of them even have venom. Well, I was so. going to say, don't, aren't those like? Can't they kill you? Yeah, they, they have potential to kill you if they hit a um, – because imagine like a venomous sword going into your skin. But yeah. the venom is actually not very potent, but it still can ruin your day. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it ruined uh, – what's his name? Steve Irwin. Yeah, Steve Irwin. Yeah, oof. When when someone told me, like, yeah, he was killed by a stingray, and I was like, hey, no, no, seriously, was it a tiger? Is it a crocodile? <laughs> Did it get him? They're like a stingray. And I just was like, ah, Okay. Stingray to the heart. That'll do it. Ooh. Yeah. Which actually the, the Tampa Bay Rays baseball team got in trouble because the uh, mascot wore a sign that says, I got Steve Irwin first. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was just like, Oh, that's uh, that's not right. That's not good. No. <laughs> well, the reason I brought up the stingray is because the world's largest freshwater fish was caught in Cambodia t uh, yesterday. And it's our, a gargantuan stingray caught in the rivers of Mekong River. 
and set a new world record. And it's 300 kilograms, nearly a third of a ton. Oh, crap. And I, I have no idea how big 300 kilograms is, but I know a quarter. That's insane. It's a, almost a ton. That's nuts. Yeah. that And just imagine. And, and apparently it's it was uh, like it. What, what they did was they lowered a tarp in the water and it just swam over the tarp and they kind of just pulled the tarp up. And I'm just like, really? It's like like a cartoon quality <laughs> catch right there. Um, but yeah, they say it's the largest freshwater fish because they're technically fish. Um, that's and that's like wow, and in a river, it's so crazy that like something like that is lurking in the waters and we haven't seen it yet. That's it. I'm shuffling my feet no matter what water I get into. <laughs> You're in your pool, just exactly. Like that. <laughs> I take care of the bathtub. I'm shuffling my feet. <laughs> But li li living in Florida, there were, there was all always like there was always some weird animal ant like survival tactic that we had like running in zigzags to get away from alligators. And, oh yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, yeah. And like um, and, and then manatees, pe pe people were like, yeah, there's a tactic with manatees, even though they're not dangerous, they can roll over you. <laughs> so wait, how do you stop a manatee from rolling over? That sounds like the worst setup to a joke ever. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like I've actually swam up to manatees before, and they're they're just big, soft cows, pretty much, but they're clumsy. So sometimes they'll they're, they're swimming, and you're like swimming next to it, and it just rolls right over you. And what you're supposed to do is kind of grab it, and it's kind of like a like a log if your logs rolling and because eventually you'll come back up to the surface after it's done its roll i'm learning so much on this podcast i gotta say i don't i my my podcast doesn't give any good info to anyone ever this is amazing well, well you get good info you know if, if you're in a haunted house don't oh, that's, <laughs> see that's the simple things on my show <laughs> and like there's uh oof like rattlesnake or did did you know that you can make a career out of hunting python in Florida? I did know that. There's like some TV show that um one of the guys from the office, like Craig Robinson or something. He's he's on a TV show about that, and I'm like, yeah. What? And then I found out it was real. Of course yeah. it's real. It's Florida. Why did? Yeah, I know. You're like. Only in Florida could you be like, what do you do? Well, I'm a lawyer. And you, I hunt pythons. And you're like, all right, <laughs> buy that guy a beer. Wow. Because like, they're an invasive species, and they do so much destruction to the environment. Oh, yeah. And, and so like, uh, I've seen a couple, and they're just kind of terrifying to see in person because you're just kind of like, oh, that's a snake. Well, it's terrifying in itself. And then you're like, that's a very big snake. Yeah, that's yeah, too that's much too snake. Much that's way too much snake. My parents, they talked about um, iguanas get frozen in like oh, in the if it's yeah. frosty and they fall out of trees. On and the they can hurt. They hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hit by an iguana. What the heck is wrong with Florida? Come on, Florida, get your act together. Yeah, I get, when I tell these stories to people here in the state of in the Pacific Northwest, they just look at me and they and they kind of like have that look of like. How did you survive <laughs> Florida? <laughs> And then, like, the hurricanes and the heat, and I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I look back and I go, why? How did I last so much lo long in that state? I don't understand. 
I never would have guessed that like Florida is like the Australia of America. I mean, everything's trying to kill you, whether you want it to or not. Like, it's nuts. Weather will kill you. The weather will kill you. I've actually almost died because of the weather. It's nuts. So this next story, I, I just saw this on my ticker. A man discovers weird alien coin and roll of quarters. Oh, I don't know this story. Really? So, And here's a picture of it. I'll try to save it and post it to um, um, uh, the Twitter page that I have. So a coin hobbyist has posted a photograph of a coin which features the face of an extraterrestrial. And it's minted from 1937. What? I was inspecting a large bag of quarter rolls, the man claims, opening them one by one to look for older pieces with high silver content. In one of the rolls, I was immediately startled by an odd coin featuring the bust of an extraterrestrial. It stood out in stark contrast to the bust of Washington present, which, which would have been the bust of Washington present on other coins. The alien face includes the word liberty print, print in the top and the 1937 printed at the bottom. That's a Man, cool looking coin. That's a yeah. way cool looking coin. Yeah, that is trip. But also, I'm just wondering, like, was, was this a prank? Or was it something like in 1930s from a comic book? Someone was like, hey, let's put these into our comics. So when kids buy them, they get a cool coin. I got to say, looking at the coin... It looked because the Liberty is perfect to a, a quarter. Yeah. But everything else has obviously been rubbed out. And then if you look, well, actually, no, it doesn't say Liberty on a quarter. I wonder what year quarters say Liberty. Yeah. And in the, the mint, the 37, the 19th, it looks like it's like pressed in it's to pressed the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of the alien. So that's kind of trippy. That trips me out, which I'm sure there's some sort of reasonable explanation. But that's still kind of creepy and kind of trippy at the same time. Yeah, and it's not even like the Liberty in a 1937 regular quarter is nowhere near where it is on this alien quarter. That's weird. All right, I got to say that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that, that's the other thing, too, is um, like I have so many sort of uh, not stories, but uh, theories on alien extraterrestrials. Because I'm one of those people where I won't immediately call a UFO an alien craft. I'll call it a UFO because it's an unidentified flying object. But like I've talked about this before, I you know I, I get people all the time that you know they make fun of me for your you're like oh you believe in alien life and I'm like yes 100% believe in alien life and then they do the uh, oh my god I can't believe. But then, and then what, what I get them is with the whole, so you're going to tell me that there's not even bacteria on another planet? Oh, exactly. And then they do the whole, like, like oh, what do you mean bacteria? I'm like, that would be considered alien life. And even just bacteria on an asteroid hurtling through our solar system would be considered alien life. And, and they just completely do the whole, like, oh, uh, oh. That's actually, uh, and I'm like, yeah. I think I figured it out. If you look up a buffalo head nickel from 1937, it's got the same 1937 placement and the same Liberty placement. Oh. And then obviously someone really did a cool job of making it look like an alien, but. Ah, yeah, I see. 
Yeah, that's actually probably what it is. That's then, awesome. That is pretty cool, though, that they etched an alien into oh, yeah. the face. Wow. wow. That's actually w way to catch that, Kurt. Way to catch hey, that. I like debunk, man, I like to debunk. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all because I just looked at the buffalo head nickel and I was like, yep, you can even see the mouth on the yeah. alien head. Is Oh, wow, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> all right, this uh, next story um, uh, is sort of a political story, but it's about Bill Clinton, and apparently he discussed alien uh, UFOs on a late show. The former president of the United States briefly touched upon the phenomenon and the possibilities of alien life. If there's one group of people who should know more than the most than most about the U.S. government's investigation into the UFO phenomenon, it's those who once made the White House their home. During an appearance on the Late Late Show with James Corden on Wednesday, he suggested that he had looked into the subject while he was present. We made every attempt to find out about Roswell, and we also sent people to Area 51 to make sure there were no aliens, he said. When Corden asked him who he had sent, Clinton quipped, oh, if I told you that. Also during the interview, Clinton recalled paying a visit to a telescope in Hawaii where he spoke to an international team of researchers who had been working there. He said that he asked him about the likelihood of there being alien life in the universe, to which a scientist suggested that there's 85 to 95% chance of this being true. So, honestly, if I were the U.S. government and I had Area 51 and uh, spacecraft hidden away, I don't think I'd be telling presidents about no, this. Heck no, no way. Yeah. That'd be one thing where I I would just be like the guy leaves in four years, four to eight years. Like why, why tell him squat? Yeah, exactly. There's a reason it's one of the best kept secrets ever is because they don't tell people like you said that are going to be gone in four or eight years. Like come on. Yeah, and and also um, like Bob Lazar, uh, he's one of my people that I follow a lot. Oh, but yeah. like he, even he said like you know there's stuff that he wasn't even allowed to see and he had clearance that was pretty much like open access and so I'm like you know the guy who's backwards crafting ships I'm pretty sure that he's probably like oh there's stuff they're not showing me and he's probably got higher clearance than the president oh yeah the only way they can keep a secret is to carp you know compartmentalize that secret only certain people are, are have access to this and certain people have access to that no one has access to everything yeah. but that's the only way that it's going to be out but i do think it's very cool that like you know 10 12 years ago no president would ever talk about aliens or ufos or anything like that and exactly you're out there talking about it even like in you know in office presidents even talk about it now it's it's slowly but surely it's going to be disclosure. Yeah, and and that's something that um, I'm sort of crazy to be to be alive. You know, in, in this time where oh, yeah. we have you government agencies and former presidents saying, "Yeah, there's things out there that we don't know," and it's kind of like it's almost just like, "Hey, whoa, whoa!" It's a wink and a nudge. It's a wink and a nudge. I know it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, nobody cares. Like, I'll tell my family that don't care about UFOs or paranormal at all i'll tell them i'm like hey did you see this news story that just came out that they said you know we've recovered craft not of this earth and these tic tac videos and all these gimbal videos and they're just like nah i don't believe it 
I'm like, no, no, but it's real. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like all the time. It's just the you know, hey, Dad, did you see that this the U U.S. Navy is release these videos and say you know this is something that isn't man-made and oh, nice. I'm like that. that that's groundbreaking. That's yeah, I was like, you're alive be, for this. Yeah, it's the biggest story ever. And yeah, you're right. Like this is the perfect time to be alive because it's it's happening now. But most of America are like, nah, it's fine. Whatever, I don't care. Yeah, and 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 like you know, passerbys and friends of mine who are are into the paranormal. I'm just like you know, or like I myself has have had UFO a couple of UFO encounters, and they and they and everyone just looks at me like I'm crazy, and I'm like, no, I'm not saying it's ET. I'm saying this thing was not moving like an Earth object. It could you know, and it's like. It's sort of hard to reach people when immediately their brain goes to, to like Marvin the Martian, and you're like, no, this could be something else. Yeah, and that's it though. Like people are so like been brought up to be like, oh, if you talk about UFOs, you're obviously crazy. It's yeah, only, you know, it's sci-fi, it's the movies. You're a crazy person. But I mean, honestly, that stigma is still around, and it's, it's, it's gonna be like you know, like like people your age or younger that are gonna be like, okay, it's real. Let's find out about it. Yeah. And that 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 is what I I'm waiting for the day when um, a an agency an independent agency comes out and they're like we found evidence and yeah. just being you know and it's like I feel like that's going to be any day. Oh, definitely, it's coming. It's it, I keep telling everybody like I think 2022 was is going to be the year where they really come out with something that is you can't I don't care how much of a skeptic you are you have to go oh wow I guess it is real like it's coming. Slowly but surely, it's not going to be one giant story. It's just going to be like like we see now. Like every day, if you look up UFO in the news, there's a new news story every day. Yeah, and um, also it's like these these new news stories. They're not just cell phone cameras. A lot of it, it's like, oh, I work for the Ministry of Defense. Yeah. Hey, we had stuff in a, in our possession and it's you know high ranking officials who it's like that that guy's already rich he's already famous he's already has a career like he's not doing this for fame and fortune he's already had has it so oh yeah. it's like oh, yeah man. and if you think about like all of the people that had access to like say roswell just pick one like the roswell incident that went to their graves never releasing the info thinking they were helping their country or their whatever it, or they were scared to because the government told them not to. If they would have all have come out, it'd be this story would have happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago instead of happening now. Yeah. What's so crazy is the, the, just the past five years, I felt like there's sort of a, a turn um, at the guard, if, if that makes yeah. sense, where it's, yeah. it's like the, we, we, we have a new future now where it's like, hey, and also I feel like technology has in the past five years have has sped up so much faster than what I, I i'm sure of you and i have have seen oh yeah um just, yeah just in these past five years we're getting self-driving cars that park themselves and um uh, now i well right now i'm making a podcast five years ago it seemed like it was you know professionals could only make a podcast and oh, you know right. and then like yeah with all of the technology that you have on your phone think about like having that 10 years ago it's mine yeah 
the, the fact is I, I shot two movies on my cell phone. Yeah. Like a movies that are, uh, that went to film festivals and no one noticed that it was like, Oh, that was on a cell phone now, not on a professional DSLR. Like, I love that. And I, I even wrote a movie that sort of was an allegory of using celluloid film versus digital. And it and I like, I, I got, I think a, a week of shooting it and then all my actors bailed out, but it was, it was a political story about, um, uh, basically there's androids and then there's humans. And what happens is we upload our consciousness to a supercomputer. And then, so if like an Android breaks down, he just re-uploads himself to a new body and, but like the humans are kind of like holding off. They're like, you know, we don't want to upload a consciousness. We are human. We don't want to. And there's sort of a schism. And then a politician who's an Android comes up with the idea of let's just wipe out all the humans and then we can pollute and we can do whatever we want and not have to worry about repercussions because Androids don't breathe air. They don't drink water. They don't eat food. So we can just do what we want. And the main character finds a kill switch in the code to wipe out the um, supercomputer. And then he has to make the decision of like, you know, do I execute basically all, all these like billions of people to preserve me and people like me, or do I delete this code and try to hope that this bill doesn't pass? And the way I was, was filming it was all the Android scenes were shot on cell phones and all the humans were so, shot on like celluloid film, like old school film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and cool. I, yeah, I wanted to sort of make an allegory of like technology versus old school. And then it's like, yeah, Androids are perfect in every way, technologically wise. They, you know, it's like cell phones. It's like, it's so easy. I can do everything with a push of a button instead of like actually having to alter the ISO and the resolution at all. And, but yeah, I got a week into filming it and my actors who, unfortunately I was paying a minimum. Um, but they, they were like, we can't do this at minimum anymore. Oh, that sucks, man. Cause that sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. And it was, it was also one of those where I was kind of filming all the cheap parts first. And then I was going to try to sell the film to, or like pitch it to get money to make all the, but yeah. <laughs> so this next part, um, I was wanted to do an interview with you. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I'd love yeah. That. All right. So my first question is Kurt, how long have you been podcasting and how long have you been into the paranormal? Ooh, all right. That's two-parter. I like this. Uh, how long have I been podcasting? So I thought I started Paranormal Almanac in 2019, but a fan was like, oh, no, it's 2017 that you started it. So that shows you how, how little uh, uh, grasp I have on time anymore. But uh, <laughs> I think for Paranormal Almanac was 2017. I did a podcast prior to that that's no longer out there called Drunken Metaphysical. That was where we actually got as drunk as we possibly could and then told paranormal stories. And it went about as well as you can imagine it did. Yeah, I've, I've actually uh, had a, an old podcast back in the day called On the Couch. And it was just me and my friends drinking and just telling random stories. Wait, what is it? There's something about like the, the joy of just getting drunk and telling stories and then recording it. And either people will get it and love it or absolutely hate it. Which was yeah. Really 
but uh but yeah no i've 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 always wanted to do like i only i always wanted my own little corner of the paranormal universe and paranormal almanac is that and and then some it's 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 blown up beyond my wildest dreams so you know it's crazy but as far as when i've been i've always been in the paranormal when i was a kid if we went to the library i guarantee you or a bookstore i guarantee you i would ask for like a bigfoot book or a ufo book or whatever <laughs> it's always been i don't know why like my like i said i'm the only member of my family that's even remotely interested in this stuff and i oh, absolutely wow. love it yeah i don't know what it is but it's always been a thing with me so yeah, that's the same with me. It was my mother before she passed. Um, she, you know, she was really into like the paranormal and the unexplained and the, the things that go bump in the night. And unfortunately, she's gone now. But so it leaves me the last one standing who's into that. But luckily, you know, I've met some friends who were like, "Yeah, I'm into that too." So I'm like, "Okay, cool." And, you know, but, that's um, what it's all about is like if you wear anything paranormal, like I've got a jean jacket with a bunch of paranormal patches on it that I wear all the time. And <laughs> and no matter where I go, people will walk up to me and be like, dude, I've seen a UFO or I've met Bigfoot or blah, blah, blah. Like they always have a cool story. And and it just brings around like I, so far, knock on wood, it's only been the coolest people that I've met from it. Yeah. Uh, like the, the crazy thing here in Washington is like Bigfoot is big. Like everyone yeah. has like tattoos or like stickers, and there's even a coffee chain up here called Bigfoot Java. So That's the awesome. Bigfoot's pretty big. And, and then late later this year, I'm going to do a um, skunk ape episode because yeah. that's the thing everyone saw in Florida is the skunk ape. Oh yeah, Texas, Florida, Louisiana skunk ape. Oh yeah, over there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my number two question is, what got you into podcasting? Um, the, the, the need for whatever reason to, to, to voice my, get my voice out there because I wanted, I, I mean, I love podcasts. I, I listen to them constantly when I'm at work, you know, I'm, I'm always listening to podcasts, but not everything is real in the paranormal and every podcast I would listen to, everything was real. And I'm like, well, that's not true. I can debunk that story in two minutes. And I don't want to be the downer that debunks things, but I also I like to find things out. And if I can debunk it, that's cool. And if I can't, that's even cooler. Because that means yeah. there's something and, It reminds me of uh, Coast to Coast. You know, yeah. like that show, everything he was like, wow, that's fascinating. I'm going, this guy's absolutely nuts. Are you kidding me? Yeah, absolutely crazy. And that, well, that was the thing. So my buddy, Sean Bishop and I were, were you know, we would always go, I'd go to his house and we'd hang out in his garage. We'd build props like Ghostbusters, Proton Packs or Star Wars or whatever. And he's, a brilliant prop maker. And while we were doing this, he and I just out of the blue, just started talking about art bell and coast to coast. And, and we both had this, you know, love of that kind of stuff. And, and we, that's, he's another art bell. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm the next Art bell by any stretch, but <laughs> I was like, yeah, we do. We need someone to carry on that torch and I'll go down that path. When I did the live shows, especially during the pandemic, when I was doing my live shows on my podcast, I would have callers call in, and I'd go down that road as far as I, they would go. And, and all right, I'll give you your airtime. That's fine. As long as, you know, they were obviously truthful. That's all I cared about. And then every now and then at the very end, they would do something stupid and be like, oh, this whole, that was a whole bit. All right. Duh. Oh, you got me. I, it's, I don't know who they think they're getting because I didn't care. But, yeah. but the ones that did go like, hey, you know, thank you for listening to me because no one ever lets me tell my story. 
and it was a true story you know for them they had a paranormal experience and i was like yep now i get why art bell had such a you know a loose leash on these crazy people that could call in and just just go you know insane with these weird stories that probably weren't true but they seem true to them and and i was like you know what it can be true like i'll i'll go down like i said i'll go down that road and i'll have some fun and then if it if it's if it's not real and if they if it turns out it's a prank whatever who cares and if it's not then i got a really good crazy cool story out of somebody that was afraid to tell anybody else yeah that's yeah that's how i feel too and the other thing i, I, I for me that got me into like because i used to listen to coast to coast like it would be i it'd be a school night and i turn on my my stereo to coast to coast and put the blanket up over my, my head and, yeah. and but it was also it was sort of felt like i was sitting on the couch and listening to like art bell and just being like all right art you know you're gonna tell me you're gonna string me along on this journey yeah oh and yeah. it's a and it could be a very creepy journey or a very wacky journey, but I'm going on this little journey tonight. And, and that's what got me into podcasting was sort of sitting down and talking about subjects that I found very fascinating, but I can't really talk to this subject to the people around me. Yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. kind of like reaching out into the ether and being like, here's this cool subject I would love to discuss with people. And I think that's it. I mean, if you just like, I, I quickly learned when I did Paranormal Almanac that I was just going to put out what I wanted to put out. And if there was going to be an audience, they would find it. I never had the money or anything to, or, or fame or whatever to really like, you know, promote my podcast. I just let the audience find me. And then the ones that did, I was like, yep, these are my people. These are the kind of people like, like you were just saying, like if I was at a couch or at a party or at a bar and they came up and we started having this weird conversation, it's the conversation that I would be having with them. And that's what I like to do every episode is, hey, I found this really cool story. Some of them are very, very famous, like, you know, like Amityville, like we were talking about. There's some of them are very, very famous, but other ones are very weird stories that I had to go down like 50 different rabbit holes to find that I couldn't disprove. And here's this story. And those are the ones that seem to resonate with people where they're like, whoa, I've never heard this. That's cool. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want. I just want to have a conversation with people you know, either, either imaginary through a podcast or in real life and, and just talk about the stuff I want to talk about. That's ex yeah, it's exactly how it is, you know? Uh, I, and that's perfect example is this, uh, at my job, we have a new coworker. His name's Gary. Hey Gary. <laughs> He's probably listen. He'll probably listen to this episode. Um, and it was one of those, he, uh, I think his headphones went out and I could hear his phone playing a podcast and um he was listening to like a paranormal podcast and i was like hey gary you know i didn't know you were into this so i turned him on to your show turned him on to my show and then now every, every once in a while he'll uh he'll be like oh i listened to this episode and i'll have a conversation conversation with him and i'm just like yeah. um so my next question is have you ever had a paranormal or a UFO sighting yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had both a uh, UFO and a paranormal story uh, or paranormal encounter. I've had quite a few paranormal encounters besides like doing the investigations and weird stuff happening. Like I did. Um, there's a there's a house called the Omen House, which is mm. on the site of the Sharon Tate murders. 
from oh. you know, yeah like charles manson yeah it's on that it, the house was built on the site where it happened back in the day and that house is just crazy haunted and then I, you know like so obviously i've had weird encounters there i've had weird encounters at the house i'm at now like the one that i rent now and like, that's the yeah yeah there's um i'll tell you a quick one so when i first moved in here i moved in with this girl and and she and i were living here and every time like i'd be watching tv in the bedroom she'd go take a shower and in the shower you'd hear like you know bump bump like the like the the soap or the the shampoo falling off the top shelf and, and you know just she'd have to pick it up and every time i'm like you know man you're clumsy in the shower and she's like no it's not me every time i get to take a shower the shampoo falls from the ledge and i gotta pick it up and i'm like well, that <laughs> never happens with me and then i started to think about it i'd be watching tv and i'd hear footsteps above me like on like like what would be like the attic but there's no real attic it's a tiny little house in, oh. in california and they'd walk over i could hear them bump bump, bump walk over to the bathroom Boom, knock off the shampoo. And I was like, oh my God, I got a perv ghost that's checking her out when she's bending over the shampoo. And so I told her that, and she's like, no way. And I was like, look, it never happens with me. And then she started to pay attention and she'd make sure that the shampoo wasn't like sliding off because it was shampoo out of, you know, pouring out of it or anything. And she's like, yeah, you know what? There's nothing on the shelf that would make it fall. And it happens every time. And I was like, ah, that's funny. And then, like, you know, cut to a couple years later, I'm living here alone. She had moved out. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. It was raining. Ooh. And I had this toy. It was a Kermit the Frog stuffed animal that whenever you squeezed it, like when, when you squeezed it once, it would sing, I'm a Caribbean amphibian. But it would only say <laughs> one word per squeeze. And that's the only way you could make it sing. So it's like, like I said, it's like three, four o'clock in the morning, you know, pitch black. I'm asleep. And it's raining outside. And all of a sudden, the Kermit just starts singing the full song. Oh and I was like, whoa, God. what the? And I flipped on the lights. I ran over to it. I start ripping out the batteries because I'm like, not nah, cool, man. That's scary as crap. That's like poltergeist stuff. So I'm ripping out the batteries. All the batteries are out and it finishes the song. Oh my God. Yep. And that's when I had a long talk with the ghost and been like, all right, <laughs> like, you can't, you know, like, that's not cool. That's not, you want to knock over shampoo bottles when my girls are in, you know, taking a shower. That's one thing. But scaring the crap out of me when I'm alone, that's not cool, man. <laughs> Uh, just hearing Kermit the Frog in the middle of the night would yeah, be terrifying. Like, <laughs> it was terrifying, and it's the stupidest song, Caribbean Amphibian by Kermit the Frog, but it was absolutely was the scariest thing ever. I was terrified. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've had sightings myself, too. Um, I a uh, bunch of my friends and I, we took a bus up to Savannah, Georgia from, uh, from Bradenton, um, which is in the Tampa area. And um, so we took a bus up to Savannah, and then from there we met a friend, and we took a uh, drove up to Augusta. While we're in Augusta, we were in an old graveyard that was in the middle of the woods, and we we were in Georgia to do ghost hunts, and where it, it's like backwoods country, this graveyard, there's headstones that say 1700s on them. Wow. Um, they're all it's so old and. We all of a sudden we hear like a child crying, and we are like in the middle of nowhere, and we're all looking at each other. And we're like, "Is there a house nearby?" And we're like, "We don't, we don't think so." And then we just kept hearing that like that little, and we're just like, "Uh," and then no lie, it's a fog rolls in, and then we're like, well, "We're out. Have a good night." 
Uh, but when we were in Savannah, we stayed at the Marshall House, which is oh, nice. supposed, to be, supposed to be like the most haunted hotel. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we we did the uh, where we turn off all the lights and we take flash photography. Sure. And we got some weird lights and stuff, but we, we was one of those things where we were like that that could be, you know, reflection from something in the room. Sure. Um, could be street light that's coming through the the window. So we we kind of chalked that one off of like a. Eh, we got maybe something, but nothing, nothing major from there. But the the Augusta graveyard was pretty that's terrifying. Awesome. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I've you know I've had a lot of weird throughout the years. I've had tons of weird paranormal experiences and in old houses and whatnot during during investigations. And it, it it's it's so cool to me. Like like again, if I can't debunk it, then it's all right. There, I got something. I don't know what it was because like I, I I'm a I'm a firm believer that there is no such thing as a paranormal expert because you can't be a paranormal expert there's no explanation for it yet until science yeah. proves the paranormal there's no explanations so it's just one of those things where if like i can't explain it all right i got something i don't know what it was but that was interesting yeah um have you ever had any ufo experiences i have i have i've seen a couple of ufos um one i saw over uh, over vegas actually when oh. i was when I was first moving out to California from Michigan, because I grew up in Michigan, and there's all kinds of UFOs all over Michigan. There's, I mean, it's always been that way. But uh, when I was coming out to California, we stopped at uh, at Vegas one night, and up above, up above us, completely silent, there was a large, large triangle. And this was years before people were seeing these triangle UFOs, um, but it was a huge, large triangle with with circle lights underneath it. And I, to this day, I don't know what it possibly could have been. Oh, man. Yeah, I, it's, it was the weirdest thing. And then, you know, and then that's the typical I saw. I've seen lights out in the desert that did things that there's no aircraft that we have ever that can do those kind of things. So I just, you know, like it's you, I don't know what they are. They're UFOs. They're literally yeah. flying object. I have no idea what I saw. It's, it's in the name. <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's unidentified. It was flying object was <laughs> yeah i've had uh two encounters of ufo uh, first one was i was filming a commercial in sarasota florida and my buddy and i were trying to rush back to my house which was 30 minutes away in bradenton and um so and because we're i was having a party at my house so we're in the suburbs too like this wasn't in like any rural area it's the middle of the city so we're like, we're driving and I see this orange ball in the sky and I'm like looking at it. And then like, as we're going down the road, I'm looking up at it again and it stops dead in the sky. So I was like, wait a minute. If there's a plane coming at me, it wouldn't have been moving to the right. Yeah. So I was like, and then it stopped and then it went backwards, like went back east or westbound and then it started moving eastbound again. And then I was so I'm doing that, you know, when you got the the visor in your vehicle and you're like looking down, looking down. You're like, and I look at my buddy. I'm like, hey, I don't want to alarm you, but um, what's what's that in the sky? And like, I see him look, and he's driving, and he's looking, and he's like, uh, I I don't know. And then when I look to the car to the right of us, and that guy's doing the same thing, ducking, ducking, trying to like, what is that? I'm like, hey, pull down one of these side streets in this neighborhood. So we pull down, and I noticed all these cars start following us down this road. 
and I get out and everyone starts getting out of their cars and we're all oh, looking wow. up. And I was kind of like, and I like looked around and I was like, is this a UFO? Like, are, are we all witnessing a, like, I don't want to be that guy that's like, Hey, a UFO, but I'm that guy that says it's a UFO. <laughs> so then it like, it starts moving like faster and then it stops and then three little sparks come off of it. Oh, wow. And they start floating. And then each one starts zooming up into the sky and like disappearing into the dusk. Because it's, it's like eight o'clock. So it's like the sun's going down and it's going into the sky, disappearing. And then the actual ball lowered a little bit. And then that shot up instantly, like like thousand miles an hour up into the sky. And, and we all just sat there and looking up at this empty sky now. Like, I'm looking at everybody. What could it and possibly I, be? Yeah, I was like, I have no idea what that because someone was like, could have been a Chinese lantern. I was like, they they don't go backwards and forwards. And, and it was like, and this was about 10, 12 years ago. So it was before when drones yeah. were a big, huge thing. So I, that, to me, I'm like, that's, it was a UFO experience because I could, to this day, could not figure out what it was. See, that's the stuff that I love when you can't when you can't explain it. When you start going down the list of all right, it could have been that. No, it couldn't have because it did this. It could have been no, it couldn't have because it did like when you get down to that bottom of the list and there's nothing left, that's the stuff that I love. Yeah, same here. Like that's that's what gets gets me all like the ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and final question for you. What has been the most terrifying story you have heard so far from your show? Oh wow, that's a good question. Um there was, there's a couple of demonic stories that uh, uh, live listeners have told me that that were were absolutely chilling. Um, there's there's been there's been stories where, or actually, there's here's one. So I had a listener that was on the on the phone. She was chatting with me, and you know I've got it all wired up, and there's a bunch of uh, fans listening on Streamyard and on in Twitch and in Facebook Live and wherever they were. So like there was a bunch of fans listening as well, and. I noticed that as she's telling the story, I could hear a voice behind her. And then, you know, so I started leaning over to like, listen to the speaker closer. And that's when a couple of people that were listening were like, Hey, do you hear another voice? And I was like, Oh my God, it's not me. You know, they put it in the chat. So I was like, Hey, wait, is there someone with you? And the, this person was, she was like, no, I'm, I'm alone right now. What are you talking about? I'm like, there is a voice, a clear as day voice talking when you're talking. And she's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, no, like, listen. And everybody's, that's when the chat room like blew up. Everybody's like, yep, I hear it too. I hear it too. There's a, there's somebody else there. So while I was live on the air with this poor woman in her own house, like <laughs> having, telling me weird things that are happening in the house, there's a voice telling us a different version of something. And, and to this day, I don't know what it was. Um, another one that was really weird was I, I recorded an episode very early on in my podcast about uh, Debbie Moffitt. And she had a demon in her house. And it's a, I'm, I'm shocked that that story isn't as big as like the Amityville. It was, Ooh. it's incre it's an incredible story. I was at her house. I got two of my friends invited me. They knew her. So they invited me to go to her house. So I was at her house doing the podcast where this demon thing actually happened. And, you know, had an amazing interview with her. I knew everybody that was in the house at those times was Debbie right across from me. My friend Todd to the left or my friend Jamie to the right. I knew everything that was happening during that interview. 
And I posted it, you know, I posted the podcast episode and a couple of months later, a listener said, Hey, you know, you have an EVP on that episode. And I was like, nah, come on. No, I don't. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> listen to it at this point. And so I went back and listened and clear as day did not happen when we were sitting there clear as day though, on the, on the actual podcast, you hear someone say, take them, take them all. Oh my God. Oh yeah. No, my, <laughs> my hair on my arm stood up when I heard it because I know exactly where we were and exactly what was happening at that, that time. He had said, take them, take them all. It was oh, absolutely man. bizarre. And then I guess another weird one is something that just happened to me just recently. I got a mysterious package at my door oh. and it was a big package and I wasn't happy that someone actually, you know, a fan, you know, sent it to me. I thought it was something that I had ordered. So I opened up the box and there was this other box inside or this other wrapped package inside. Oh. Hold on. Let me get the, let me get the letter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I do with it, but anyhow, so there was a letter and it basically said like, Hey, I, we were, uh, there was a flood in this farmhouse. We live in this old farmhouse. There was a flood and, um, in the dirt basement, this was found under the dirt basement. <laughs> oh, so we did a live unboxing of it. Um, because I was like, this is too weird. It was huge and it weighed a ton. It was like 25 pounds. And it turned out to be this old 1800s wood box. And then when we popped it open, it was filled with sand. And then inside the sand wrapped like a mummy was this bronze hand looking thing it was like a like a claw like a three three fingered demon claw looking thing made <laughs> of solid bronze and it's got skulls at the bottom and then oh. inside that in the dirt and the dirt had a really weird smell to it but in the dirt um we found uh this old like 1911 penny this uh the saint patrick's cathedral medallion uh wow. what else did we found oh, there's a photo of this woman from like the 1920s or 30s um, and you can't see her face because the photo had kind of faded away. And then oh, there was man. a, uh, oh, dude, it's so weird. And then there was uh, a hymnal from West Westminster Abbey from like 1930 something, like all of this really old, weird vintage stuff. Wow. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, if the former owners of the house were like treasure hunters or like well, that's the thing so like they like the story on that letter went on to say like hey we found this in you know in the flood in this farmhouse um as soon as we unearthed it or something to that effect i can't find a letter i don't know what i did with it but you know as soon as we opened it uh or or found it all this strange stuff started happening in the house voices knocks movements and then a fire and then it's it ended with i hope you know what to do with it and then just the letter l and it was definitely to me because it said my name and it said kurt on there but um, but yeah, to this, yeah. And, and to this day, nobody has come forward because I've been I've asked on the you know past couple episodes like, hey, if you sent that to me, that's fine. But like, let me I want to know more info. Where did you find it? Did you open it? Did you have to unlock it? Are the weird things still happening? But nobody has come forward. It was uh, was unmarked. Uh, I know it was definitely mailed to me because it was a very expensive postage. Because like I said, the thing weighed like twenty five pounds. Ooh. But it's just this weird mystery hand that was sent to me that I to this day I don't know who sent it or what happened to it. Maybe it's maybe they're all clues. Maybe they're all if you figure out one clue and it can lead to this next clue to the next clue to the next clue type of thing. Yeah, it's weird. And and the wood box has all these um, sigils scratched into it like it's it's really weird it, it's the most bizarre thing that's ever happened to me 
And it's because of the podcast. Like there was a fan, oh, yeah. obviously, that thought that I could handle whatever this thing was. And, you know, some people are like, oh, it's obviously a hoax. And I'm like, all right, what if it's a hoax? How did somebody get a Westminster Abbey hymnal from 1932 or whatever it was? Yeah. And then these weird pennies and then this weird solid bronze claw looking thing. It's just and and why would they send it to me? It would cost them. It cost them hundreds to send it to me. And then, yeah. you know, like what's for, for a prank, it would yeah. seem like they were there. There was there was should be a sort of um, like gotcha moment for if it was a exactly. prank. Because I never would. I You know, I could have just opened it and went, well, that's dumb. And then never talked about it on the air. I'm like, it never, there's a good chance it never would have made it onto the podcast, but it just happened to. So like, I was yeah. like, I don't get the, the end result of the prank. And no one's ever said like, you know, two weeks later, they were like, Hey, that was, I made that hand. Isn't it cool? I made that for you. And I just wanted to give a scary story. Like there's nothing. It's just this weird claw yeah. thing. that's now, you know, sitting directly behind me and I have no explanation for it. I, I wonder if the L stands for Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Thanks a lot, Lucifer. You gave me a weird <laughs> hand that I don't understand what to do with. It's weird, uh, man. Uh, yeah, that sounds super creepy. I, I just pictured the devil going into USPS and being like, what? <laughs> that much for the shipping? Oh, boy. Boy, they. But yeah, that's super creepy. And But yeah. I feel like that'd be a kind of a cool thing you could do is sort of like a uh, an event um, like uh, try to figure out what the sigils mean and then oh yeah you know, yeah that'd be really cool and i got a bunch of listeners that that they were like hey i think i figured out one of the sigils and i don't know about this next one and and you know like there's a lot of like these podcast detectives that are doing that for me and i love it because i mean i don't know i just i just received the stupid thing so like yeah. i don't i don't have an answer but boy is it bizarre that is wow <laughs> the, the 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 claw thing just sounds terrifying on its own. Oh, it is. It's it's like I said, it's solid bronze and it weighs a good twenty pounds and it's got Ooh. skulls at the base of it and it's you know it's definitely old. I had the patina alone. It, it can tell you can tell it's very very old. And then it's obviously seen some kind of weather or some kind of something because there's like it's not like quartz crystals inside it, but it's like you know like white crystals from like crystallization from I don't know from water or something. Mm -hmm. But it's been there forever. So whatever oh, this man. thing is, it has got to be at least, and my guess, I think it would be from the 20s. At the very latest, it would be the 20s. I think it's even earlier than the 20s. But the wood box, um, just the construction of the wood box, that's like early 1900s. So it's bizarre. Wow. <laughs> man, like that, that, that is something like if I got a box that weighed 25 pounds on my door that had a bunch of old relics in it i just feel like ah call the priest Get the priest. well that's what everybody was like they're like dude that thing's cursed man you can't have it in your house and i'm like well i'm not i'm not afraid of cursed objects i mean look i don't want any more but, like, <laughs> but you know like as is it's been in my house now and so far knock on wood nothing bad has happened so i don't know if if whatever it was that that happened that burned down the farmhouse might have just happened when they opened the box or unearthed it and it stayed with them and then i just got the hand i don't know yeah or you know they might have the curse might be on them and they were just yeah. like oh yeah. all righty so this uh, next part is the meat of the show yeah and it's old wild west paranormal stories 
And as someone who loves the West, um, uh, it's one of those things where one day I want to have a, a, a like an RV and just go out into the desert and look for UFOs and haunted mining cities. Heck Stuff yeah. like that would be pretty awesome. But um, yeah, this story I actually heard from a friend, and then no lie, I listened to a random episode of the last podcast on the left, and it was the same story. And I was kind of like, what? Like, li literally, it was one of those, like, I hit random, and was this Jesse James story yeah. about his farm in Kearney, Missouri, and it's supposed to be haunted. And they also, well, I'll, I'll get to the Jesse James conspiracy theory uh, thing. I also heard literally in the same format. I heard someone mention it on one show. And then the next, like that night at work, listened to a, a, a paranormal podcast. And they talked about a Jesse James conspiracy theory. And, um, and also Billy the Kid, too. Um, because uh, the conspiracy theory of Billy the Kid is that he was actually actually let go. Because um, the story is that the uh, guy, one of the sheriffs, um, surprised him at his girlfriend's house, and he came walking in and he shot him, and that's how he killed Billy the Kid. But then there's the conspiracy theory that he, like he was done chasing Billy and Billy was done being an outlaw and Billy just won and he, he let Billy go. go and in many many years was like in the 30s um, this guy came out and said you know I'm Billy the kid yeah. and, you know, of course everyone was like oh you old coot yeah you're crazy but then he showed all the scars from all the gunshot wounds that he received and apparently it matched all the gunshot wounds and in, in record that Billy the Kid had, and so it was one of those like you know did did Billy the Kid really like die in the way he died, and the and the same thing goes with Jesse James. Well, uh, I forgot it was something Ford, uh, the guy who shot him. Um, I can't remember his name, but uh, apparently. There was a conspiracy theory that says that they were in cahoots and they staged this murder to let Jesse James sort of retire and sort of like leave the outlaw world behind him. Um, but this story I'm about to tell you is pretty creepy and it's um, about Jesse James. So here it goes. It should come as no surprise that the Jesse James farm in Kearney, Missouri is said to be haunted. Given the violent temperament of some of its inhabitants, the untimely death of Jesse James, the violence that occurred on the property and the tragic death of Jesse's younger brother, Archie. It will be more astonishing to hear that the property had no tales of ghostly activity at all. Both Jesse and Frank James were raised in this house by their mother, Zerelda, who was married to three different husbands and bore eight children. It was here that Jesse James was whipped as a teenager by a Union militia who strung up his stepfather and burned nearby farms. It was also here that Zerelda watched as her son Archie was murdered by Pinkerton detectives in an attack where she lost her right hand. After Jesse was here, 
where she protected the grave from trespassers or souvenir hunters. Later, his body was reinterred at the Mount Oliviet Cemetery in Kearney. The James family farm is said to have been haunted for more than a century, evidently home to a number of lingering spirits. Lights are said to move around both inside and outside the property buildings. Gunfire is heard in the distance, even though there's no one around. Others report hearing the sounds of pounding hoofs and cries that are reminiscent of the area's history, dating back to the events of the Civil War. Today, wide arrays of mysterious happenings occur in the house. Inside the building, long after it's been locked up for the evening, if movements are often seen which are never registered on security monitoring systems. And even shadows going through the windows, even though no one's in the building. Feeling of a presence within the home is extremely intense and angry. Others report that on foggy mornings, hushed voices and the sounds of restless horses can be heard coming from the woods. However, when they follow up, there are no signs of disturbance or tracks within the trees. So, yeah, apparently Jesse James' house is a museum. Yeah. It has spirits. Like I, and, uh, I know someone who's went there, uh, who, who went there, and they had not only did they see like the you know the orbs and the lights and everything, and, and even you know heard like footprints or movement, but they also had EVPs, and ooh. the EVPs were of. It was like almost like they were hearing a conversation, but it was definitely like an old timey sounding kind of a conversation or old west kind of conversation. Oh wow! Yeah. See, like I love I love hearing EVPs because you know sometimes you get the you know, like hey and you're like oh that could have been it but then when you actually get like the like um, one of them I heard was they're in Spain doing an EVP and they were hearing Spanish coming through. And that would creep me out a little bit more than if I would have heard like an English speaking because it's almost oh, yeah. like, yeah, like the spirits are speaking Spanish because that's what they were speaking, you know. And so hearing an old timey conversation through an EVP sounds creepy, super creepy. Yeah. And they said there was nobody else around. And I mean, nobody for like miles, nobody else was around. They were able to have their own time at the place after hours and there was no chance of it being like any kind of interference. So yeah, I mean, there is definitely something to these old West, uh, like ghost towns or hotspots where, where there was horrific violent deaths or whatnot, um, mm -hmm. where, where there seems to be something there that they, they've, they've stuck around and these ghosts, these, these old West ghosts are, are, are really prevalent for some reason. Yeah. And, and I think it's cause a lot, a, a lot of violence that happened in a lot, you know, the, the outlaws who, killed you know and then they were horribly killed or maimed you know in their downfall so those spirits are probably still raging oh yeah um this next story is super cool uh i actually heard this when i was a kid and i can't believe i remembered it and found it online and my my mom actually told me this story because oh, awesome. um i watched uh the the old ichabod crane sleepy hollow cartoon from disney ah, the, texas, the texas uh, headless horseman oh yeah el moreto yeah. yeah so like man my mom told me that because she was just like oh because one she was like sleepy hollow is a real city yeah and i was like what <laughs> and she's like yeah in new york upstate new york sleepy hollow it's a real place and i was just like 
So, you know, of course, I go to my atlas, and I'm like, oh, my God, she's right. <laughs> um, but then she tell, tells me, like, you know, even Texas has the uh, their own version of the Headless Horseman. And I was just like, what? And so she told me this story. And then um, last week, uh, I watched um, – I started watching that show, uh, the – uh, Sleepy Hollow um, on Hulu. Sure. And I was, and it, uh, all of a sudden I just remembered out of the blue. I was like, oh, the Texas Headless Horseman. And then I was like, like, let me see if, you know, if that was something my mom made up or so. And then sure enough, I was like, no, no, it's a real story. So I'll, I'll retell the story. El Muerto, the Headless Horseman. In the 1800s, Texas was a wild and lawless place attracting all manner of thieves, murderers, and other ruthless outlaws. The Rio Grande to the south had been declared the border between the United States and Mexico. However, the Mexican government refused to recognize the boundary, insisting that instead of the Nueces River was the border. This left a giant which became known as no man's land and a prime target for outlaws. The Texas Rangers, a roving posse of expert gunmen, were not men to be messed with. Following their adversaries everywhere, they lived out of the saddle and often dispensed justice brutally. Two of these men were Creed Taylor and Anderson, Bigfoot Wallace, who was himself a folk hero. It was Bigfoot, with Creed's blessing, who unwittingly created El Muerto. In 1850, a man simply known simply as Vidal was busy, busy rustling cattle all over South Texas, and soon he had a high price on his head, dead or alive. Vidal took advantage of a Camachi, uh, Camachi raid, which pulled most of the men northward to fight off the attack. In the meantime, the sparse settlements were temporarily left unguarded. Vidal, along with three of his henchmen, wasted no time in taking advantage of the situation and gathered up on the San Antonio River heading southwest towards New Mexico, towards Mexico. What Vidal didn't know was that among the stolen herd were several prized Mustangs belonging to the Texas Ranger Creed Taylor, usually one of the first to defend the settlements against Indian attacks. On this occasion, after the Comanche attack, Creed's ranch lay west of San, San Antonio in the thickest of bandit territory, not far from the headwaters of the Nueces River. Due to the location of the ranch, Taylor's livestock and horses were often the targets of many bandits. Taylor had enough and quickly gathered fellow ranger Bigfoot Wallace and a nearby rancher by the name of Flores. Both Wallace and Taylor were as skilled as any Comanche when tracking, and three men shortly found the trail of Vidal and his henchmen. When the three men found the outlaw camp, they waited until night when the bandits were sleeping to attack. Catching them unaware, the thieves were killed, but just killing them was not enough. Taylor and Wallace wanted to set an example that would deter future bandits. The rangers had tried all types of brutal justice, including stringing them up in trees and left hanging, shooting them and chopping them to pieces, leaving their bodies for animal bait. But nothing had worked to stop the outlaws. In a dramatic example of frontier justice, Wallace beheaded Vidal and then lashed, lashed him firmly into his saddle on the back of a wild mustang tying the outlaw's hands to the pommel and securing the torso to hold him upright. Bigfoot then attached Vidal's head and sombrero to the saddle with a long strip of rawhide. He then turned the bucking horse loose to wander the Texas hills with its terrible bird on his back. 
Soon, stories begin to abound about the headless rider, seen usually a remote country, with sombreroed head swinging back and forth in the rhythm of the horse's gallop. As time went on, more and more cowboys start spotted the dark horse with its fearsome cargo, and not knowing what it was, they reeled it with bullets. But the horse and its rider rode on, and the legend of El Muerto, the headless one, began. So, ooh, that's pretty cool. I love and, it. I, I, I've always, I've heard that story times back in the day, and I love that story. What a bizarre, crazy, cool story. Yeah, and then the crazy thing is, apparently, even up to 1969, that horse is still seen. See, that's amazing. Like, how? Yeah. Did, I mean, it's not something that's easily, you know, faked. You know how hard it is to put up a mannequin with a head without a head on a horse, and then you know, like, there's, there's, it would be so hard to fake this thing and have it look real. So yeah. it's just bizarre that people are still seeing it. That's crazy. And I, yeah, I just remember my mom telling me this story, and I just was like, "What? Like, are you?" You know, like I'm like eight years old, just like uh, mom. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's a whole know. lot of story for an eight year old. I mean, there's a yeah. lot to that. And then I was like, "Mom, can you keep the closet light on for me before <laughs> you get it?" But like, yeah, and then like the creepy paranormal part about it is, it's the horse it, in 1917. A couple traveling by covered wagon to San Diego, they spotted it going through a tree line. When the husband tried to track it down, stop it. It disappeared into the side of a cliff. So it's like people are still seeing this this ghostly horse with this headless outlaw on it. That's pretty that's pretty cool. It's like oh. the western version of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, exactly. And it's you know, there you go. There's a brutal murder, and these brutal murders send tend to, you know, lend themselves to being paranormal, and this is a perfect example of that. Yeah. And then another sighting um, was poured near Freer, Texas in 1969. A couple was driving their old car through the uh, say wilderness, but I don't, I don't think it would be wilderness, probably like desert road. Yeah. Uh, when the ho headless horseman uh, wandered in front of their car, the husband slammed on his brakes, got out, and tried to approach it when it completely vanished in front of him. There you go. Like that's wow. not that's not a that's not a kid try, trying to dress up like a headless horseman on the back of a horse. That's not a mannequin on the back of a horse. They, you know they don't disappear. So yeah, how does that happen? It's not a hologram either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like who does like how's that happen? Where's the explanation yeah. in that one? That's super creepy. <laughs> I love I love the good random. Like anytime, like the the eyewitness isn't out, like you know, being a paranormal investigator. It's, they're just regular people. They were just driving, and they happen to stumble across it. That's when I tend to believe them more because they didn't want anything to do with it, you know, before, during, or after, and they just happen to be the witness to this weird paranormal story. Yeah, and 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 the fact is too, it's like he it was such a brutal killing that. You know his his ghost and his ghost is headless, so it's kind of like, you know, he he's so angry he's not even a complete corporal form right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And uh, this last story is um, called Boot Hill Graveyard. Oh sure, I know that one too. Yeah. At the nearby Boot Hill Graveyard, over by Tombstone. It is called this such because its occupants died with their boots on. More than 250 graves give partial stories of Tombstone's lawless past. 
which anyone who doesn't know what Tombstone is, it's a famous uh, city. I forgot what state. I think it's Arizona. Arizona, uh, yeah. Yeah, Tombstone, Arizona, where Wired Earp became famous and the shooting of that OK Corral. Um, but there was a lot of violence in a short amount of time in Tombstone. And so this grave graveyard has 250 graves. So that's 250 like souls that are just roaming through this town. And like, for example, five men were hanged for vicious killings called the Bisbee Massacre. Um, the gunfighter Charlie Storms, who was killed by Luke Short, and um, from outlaws, lawmen, and prostitutes who were brutally murdered in this town, they lay in this graveyard. Over the years, the old cemetery fell into disrepair with numerous old wooden tombstones falling or decomposing entirely, and others being stolen by souvenir hunters. It wasn't until the town's first Heldorado days around 1929 the old cemetery began to refer to as Boot Hill Graveyard. Still, it continued to sit neglected in the 1940s when the effort began restored the cemetery. Today, reports are claimed that uh, apparitions and other ghostly images appear around this graveyard. You can go there to this day and get the movements and other apparitions. Wow. To this day, Boot Hill Graveyard and Tombstone is um, filled with ghosts. And just imagine being uh, one of those people who uh, witnessed all these killings in Tombstone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I remember seeing the movie Tombstone as a kid multiple times because my dad loved that movie. Sure. Um, but like, yeah, and that's the thing about the old West too is it people thought, you know, you know, Hollywood likes to make it that it's this brutal, cutless, uh, or cutthroat, like pirate towns all through the West, and it was actually only a short period of time where there were really bad violence. Yeah, um, and that was, it was a, I think it was like four different gangs were just roaming this particular area, but. In that short amount of time, um, it was brutal. Like the, the killings were like gangland type killings, and you're know, oh, driving man. through by the saloon, pop, pop, pop into the windows, and um, so a lot of these spirits uh, are probably restless and probably have uh, a lot of unanswered. You know, they're they're not ready to move on to the next plane, if you will. Sure, and then you got to um, remember like the desecrating of graves that happened. Like people were stealing heads, you know, tombstones because they wanted it for a souvenir. Yeah, create a grave that you're just asking for paranormal trouble. Oh yeah, and then also you know like because they use gold, you know, people were buried with their gold, yeah. so people dig it up, take and gold teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, there's one more story I wanted to tell you because Ooh. this one I heard from my grandfather when I was really young. That's awesome. And it stuck with me because I was like, that's terrifying. And I always wanted to make a short film on it. And it's, I, I, I don't know where he got it from, but I don't know if it's something he heard or witnessed or, or, or not witnessed, but like he was passed down. Um, but it's a set in eight in the late 1800s. Uh, this guy was 
um, a drifter and he was drifting from town to town. And what he was is he was basically uh, like a, a miner, but it was one of those guys who would show up to a mining site and be like, what can I do? What do you need me to do? I'll do something for some money for the day, get paid. And then he would take off and go to the next town. One day, the, the man was walking through the desert and it was getting really hot. So he decided to take refuge in this cave. So he sit, he lays down in this cave and the cool air is cooling him down. And he knows the sun's starting to go down. So I, I, he's sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze right now. Um, uh, so like he's sitting in this cave and as the sun's going down, um, he sees this light in the desert bouncing and at first he's kind of like you know is it a ghost is it a spirit what is that you know is it a train um so he starts walking towards it and this cave is sort of on this little hill so he's walking down this hill and he gets to this tree and he kneels down behind this tree he slowly peeks around this tree and what he sees is a skeleton holding a lantern but he's got like old Civil War clothing that's like rotting on him, and he's walking through this this sand and brush holding this lantern. And the guy is sitting there peeking around, and he's like looking, you know, trying to like focus on this thing because he's he doesn't believe that what he sees is a skeleton. So the skeleton's holding the lantern, and he's walking, and he's walking. And then he slowly turns his head and looks at him. So he runs back to the cave, and he's sitting in the cave, and he notices the skeleton is walking towards the cave. So he turns, and he runs deeper into the cave, um, and he he has like a satchel. So he opens up his satchel, and he pulls out his, his match. So he lights his match, and he lights it up, and what he finds is skeletons of all these Civil War soldiers sitting in this in the bottom of this cave. Oh, wow. So then he you know, throws a match out. And he runs to the entrance, and the skeleton is completely gone, nowhere to be seen. And so he panics, and he starts running away from this cave, and he looks behind him, and he sees the skeleton in the cave entrance holding the lantern, and he turns, and he walks deeper into the cave, and he sees the light in the cave, the, the mouth of the cave's lit up. And then it, as the sun's going down, the light in the cave disappears. Oh, wow. But, yeah. Well, I, and my grandfather told me it was like a true story that he heard. Right. And I was kind of like, Grandpa. And he's like, you know. So I'm like, I've been trying to search it online. Old life tale that's passed down, or if there's reports of this, like if the guy reported it to someone. Um, so yeah, it was pretty creepy, and it was a Western story. So I, I was like, I had to add that. <laughs> Heck yeah, like those are the stories, man. The ones that like were passed down. I mean, that's how stories were told back in the day. They were just passed down again and again. So those are the ones that I tend to believe a little bit more because you know. Sure, people like to have, you know, like tell a, a yarn around a campfire, but other times those usually have a kernel of truth to them. Yeah. And and some of those are um the ones that are passed down too, it 
I, I feel like they, they're not muddled by pop culture, if that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because people love to flourish, especially nowadays on websites. They a good ghost story, and it bugs me because I'm like, you have a perfect ghost story. You don't need to flourish it. There's already a ghost involved. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kurt, I just want to thank you for being on the show. Are you kidding? Thank you for having me. This was a blast. <laughs> I had a really great time. Thank you so much. I'm glad. Um, would you like to uh, pump your show up sure. for the audience? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, once again, my name's Kurt Sandvik. I do a I do a podcast called Paranormal Almanac. You can find it, you know, pretty much wherever you find your podcast. Um, I, I'm more active on like the Facebook page or the Facebook fan page for Paranormal Almanac. I am on Twitter as well. Everything's Paranormal Almanac. You can find me. I'm out there. Uh, hope you like the show. And if you don't like my, if you don't like Paranormal Almanac, please let me know because I love to hear those. <laughs> yeah, when people are like, "Hey, I don't like paranormal stuff," and I'm like, "Why are you listening to my show?" Then I love, I love it. People complain about my podcast all the time, and I'm like, "It's free. You don't have to listen to it. You can pick something else." It, it yeah. cracks me up every time. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I got. I had one guy tell me he's like, "Oh, I thought it was a sports show," and I was like, "What? What? what? Why? Yeah, I was just like, at what point did you think this is a sports show? Was he? Like, did he listen to an entire episode just waiting? Like, eventually he's gonna be talking about sports. I'll just have to wait long enough." He's like a Black Sight Files podcast, huh? That's yeah, that's football, right? Oh, <laughs> like, sports to me, yeah. Come on, yeah, yeah like the guy literally like called me on my phone when in the middle of an episode and he was just like hey dude uh didn't you in, are you doing a sports podcast and i was like no like, oh, you should have been like yep keep listening it's coming keep listening <laughs> uh, well thanks kurt for being on the show and um i'm super excited to hear your next episode do you have any uh uh sneak preview of your next episode sure. Sure. Well, you know what? You can actually help me decide. I was either going to do a, another Bigfoot episode because I haven't done one of those in a little while, or I was going to kind of piggyback off of your idea and do an Old West kind of ghost story-ish kind of episode because I've got a ton of those stories as well. Ooh, I, I'm going to have to say the Old West. The Old right, West sounds like well, it would be exciting. You're going to get a shout out on that episode. I can tell you that because it's <laughs> that's that awesome. hearing that. Alrighty. Um, thanks for uh, being on the show, Kurt. And I would love to hear from you in the future. Yeah, please. Anytime. Please reach out to me. I had a blast. I would love to do another one. These are, this is great. I, I can't thank you enough for reaching out to me. And this was, this has been fantastic. Yeah. And, and again, I apologize for the, the sort of back and forth with our oh, schedules, no. but it's both our schedules. Like, like I said, I, I, I felt, I felt terrible. Cause I was like, man, I guess I, it's not that I, I'm trying to avoid you. It's just that just you know life got in the way, and then thankfully, yeah. thankfully tonight we got it hooked up, and and like I said, it it turned out to be awesome. I loved it. Yeah. See, unfortunately for me, my schedule is random each week. So, oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. You know, this next week I'm like I probably got like a, a Monday and a Thursday off for some reason. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, I'll uh, definitely keep an eye out for your your next episode coming out. Yeah, thank you. And I, I will, like I said, I will promote the crap out of this one because this was a blast and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, me too. And for the everyone at home, remember, keep your ears pumped for the things that go bump in the night. And thank you for listening.